Hey everyone, welcome back to Generational Differences. It's Hannah and Hillary here. What's up? So, <laughs> what's new today, Hannah? What's different this week? We're together this week. Woo! We're together in Atlanta. Visiting the city. I'm not really visiting the city. I'm visiting <laughs> Hannah and I'm visiting my friends. And I have not really slept enough the last few days because just been trying to see people while being COVID safe and also just like hanging out with Hannah. Yeah. And so I'm tired. And when I get really tired, oh, also, well, yeah, I'll come back to that. But when I'm tired, I get my energy gets kind of loopy. So just a preface for this episode. And also, we just had a bunch of KFC. And yep. that feels like it makes my energy kind of oily too. So we went to KFC. <laughs> And we got chicken tenders. Yep. And fries. Yep. We tried their Beyond Chicken Nuggets. Yeah. Today I challenged my fear food of chicken tenders and fries. And um, it was good. I mean, I actually, I was a little nervous. Oh, wait, first of all, before I jump into that, um, I think in our last episode or in one of our last two episodes where we talked about body image, I talked about fear foods and my approach to like recovery um, from disordered eating and things like that and part of it is challenging fear foods so like eating like challenging myself to order and eat foods that like I'm not used to eating so chicken tenders and fries is one of them I just I feel like I like I don't have any memory of actually ever ordering that in a restaurant or anything like that I've definitely had a chicken tender here or there but today Hannah went with me we ordered it we got Uh, We came home, we had a bunch of dipping sauces. It was really a good experience because it was with my sister, so it felt, like, already more positive. Like, it wasn't like I was getting the food and then just sitting at the table by myself and, Mm. like, forcing myself to eat it or something like that. Yeah, did you feel like you... Did you feel how you expected to feel? Yeah. I... So, how I felt was I was a little bit nervous, like, when I thought about going, and then when we were going there, I was, like, just, just a little nervous not like overly anxious or anything but just thinking about it was just like oh this feels a little scary and then honestly like i didn't feel like it looked that appetizing it smelled really good but yeah i don't know something about kfc like i felt like all the chicken including the beyond chicken like everything just looked the same yeah that's just that's (laughs) just fast food i guess everything kind of tasted similar yeah but then like eating it i actually felt pretty good like i wouldn't say it was yeah that hard or that anxiety provoking for me so i'm really happy about that and proud of myself and then also the beyond nuggets what'd you think of those no i honestly like them more than (laughs) i expected to like them they the texture is a little off i don't recommend you get it because it's like six nuggets for eight dollars which and the nuggets (laughs) are like small and i don't think that's a good deal but (laughs) um, (laughs) Uh, also we looked it up and it's not vegan it's definitely not vegan and then i guess for some vegetarians it might not even be appropriate because it's just like could or i guess it's fried in the same oil that kfc uses to fry its chicken or something like that Uh, then we were like well then what's the point of like having this as a vegetarian alternative yeah it is what it is but i liked how it tasted too it kind of reminded me of tofu it was all right i probably wouldn't (laughs) get it again you know it wasn't like anything to recommend how many stars how many stars would you give it out of 10 seven Seven? Yeah. Wow. Seven out of ten. Right now, I feel like my brain is too foggy from eating <laughs> all the fried chicken, so it's, like, hard for me to... Hillary's not used to eating, like, a lot of fried stuff. I eat a lot of fried stuff, so I'm, like... <laughs> like, 
having trouble breathing from eating yeah, she really is. the fried stuff. So I'd probably say, like, honestly, probably like a 5 to 6 out of 10 for me. Right. For the Beyond nuggets. For the Chicken Tenders Fries experience, what would you rate it? Probably like a 6 okay. or 7. But I'm like a harsh critic, so you should, you should know that sorry, about sorry. myself. You should know that about me. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm, I don't care enough to, you don't to care. create things harshly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we're together. We're in Atlanta, which is um, really fun. The last yeah. two, no, the last three episodes, wait, three? No, the last two episodes we filmed, like, remotely over Discord. And yep. so it's fun to be back in person yep. filming or it's recording. Really good. What are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about API and immigrant identity. Yeah, but like more specifically, how did we, well, how do we feel about, you know, being Asian and our Asian identity, but then also like how has that changed over our lives? Yeah. And to start this topic, I wanted to start with a game. (laughs) Yeah, and Hillary said she was going to tell me what it is while you guys are also learning what it is, so... What right, is this, this is a surprise. What for is Hana. this word game? Essentially, I just want you to think of three to five words that like really represent your identity. Okay. As a person, like it does like it doesn't have to be related to anything specific. Okay. Yeah, just when you think about your identity, how do you like what words come to mind the most strongly, and what do you identify with the most? And don't take okay. yeah, you don't ta- we don't have to take too much time. So like to adjectives think. or no, whatever you think it could be noun, oh, it could okay, be adjective, okay, okay. like see, just whatever resonates with you. Got you. And I'm gonna just go off the top of my head, and I can start. Okay, go. Just to make it yeah, to show. So things that resonate most strongly with me in terms of my identity probably Chinese American as one word, <laughs> um, female. Or, like, woman. Woman, yeah. Woman, Chinese-American, like, attorney, fitness, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. And, um, um, like, sister. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, I guess that's already a bunch. But, like, I think I, like, lump sister, wife, mother. Uh, not mother, God. I'm not a mom. Oh, oh well, cat mom. <laughs> Surprise! <Okay>. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys. <laughs> Announcement. <laughs> no, I, I kind of lump, like, sister, wife, cat mom daughter into like one (laughs) one word somehow so that's yeah that those are my big identifiers okay and if you can maybe kind of like like list them in order of what's most salient to you but i don't know if i did that totally this is difficult because i don't think i have like a good idea of my own identity yet but the first things that come to mind are like asian college student (laughs) (laughs) all right asian college student that's pretty much it for me so Essentially, it's not a game, but, like, it's just an exercise that I've done before to, like, like reflect on what's most important to you as a person. Or, like, uh-huh. identifying the fact that you're, like, still thinking about that. Or, like, maybe there are only a couple parts of your identity that really stand yeah. out to you. I was going to say creative, but I wasn't yeah. sure if that counts. No, no, no. It's your identity. Like, it could, it could be, like, like, frog if you wanted it to okay, be. Okay, yeah. But, like... <laughs> But, like, yeah, creative, for sure. Like, yeah, if yeah, you identify yeah. with that, then that's part that's of it. That's part of me. That's, like, art and music. That's definitely how I see myself. Would you say art and music? Art, music, Asian, oh. college student. All right. Yeah, yeah, That's awesome. So, but anyway, the point in terms of this, like, the topic that we picked for today was just 
<laughs> to show that Asian being Asian is a big part of our identity. Oh, dude, that was and, so lame. <laughs> hey, that was the game. That was the. It's not a game. <laughs> what if I didn't say I Asian? Then that would be interesting too. Okay. Yeah, but like, for both of us, being Asian yeah. was the like the first thing that both of us said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the last time I did this exercise actually was in college, and Asian was on my list, but it came later. Okay. In the very interesting. Yeah, in the ranking. Like I, I remember just being like, oh, woman, uh-huh. student, maybe like, I don't know. Probably back then I was like pre med. <laughs> it was yeah. a big part of my identity, um, and then I remember like being like, oh yeah, also Asian, and like putting that on the list, but not having it um, as prominently. And so I, I just thought we should do that because it's just interesting to me that it's changed like that yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. And so Same. I don't think I would have said that I necessarily identified with being Asian up till like end of high school. So okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's a good segue. So do you want to start and like talk about being Asian in like before college, mm-hmm. and then how do you feel about now? Like just yeah, yeah. You we'll get into it. That. Get yeah, into get into it. it. Let's yeah. get into it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of your like. Energy right now is coming in like short little bursts and then slowly. <laughs> I know. It's like, woo! Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you go. I feel like we have so much to say about this because Hillary and I, I think we've discussed in other episodes, like we kind of grew up in a community where Asian American identity was not emphasized to us. That's why I think both of us have had that transition once we got to college where we were like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of Asian people. There's a lot of culture that we haven't explored and a lot more to who we are. So, yeah. Is that how you felt, pretty much, when you got to Emory? Yeah, well, kind of. I I feel like, for me, it was, like, through college, law school, and then even my post-law school stuff. It was really then that I... It was, like, a slow build, kind of. Like, in college, I started feeling more strongly Asian and, like, celebrating more Asian things with my friends because I had a very close-knit group of Asian friends who actually cared about being Asian. Yes. And then, like, law school... And I can... I'll talk more about all of these things. But, like, law school and... Uh, after uh, law school, I worked in corporate law and then I worked for a nonprofit that focuses on Asian-American issues. And so it was, like, a, definitely a big build after law school. Yeah. Um, but what I was thinking about as you were talking about, like, growing up and in Oregon is I feel like there were a ton of white people like the standard for for non-white people was like to try to fit in and assimilate but then also like we had a lot of Asian people like we had Asian friend groups in high school so I was thinking about why outside of like the diversity and like the segregation in our schools and our communities because I feel like the Asians like all live in one neighbor like a bunch of a few neighborhoods and then the white people live in different neighborhoods and definitely they're mixed some but um no there's like definitely like yeah yeah there's definitely division that we know of (laughs) yeah and where we live and that's just like where all the asians live right 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 yeah so like even though there were asians why was our identity not Mm -hmm. why was that part of our identity not that salient to us so i was just thinking about that i don't even know if i have an answer in high school at least i always had this feeling that like okay i'm not asian enough to be friends with the really asian group Mm -hmm. but i'm not whitewashed enough to be friends with the Americanized Asians. 
people who know me know, like, I was never in a friend group. I was just, like, friends with everyone, just, like, a, a little bit. But mm-hmm. I didn't have, like, a tight-knit group until senior year. And so I think it also has to do with experiences when I was younger. Stereotypes, discrimination, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think it's all of that. It's hard to be like, this is the reason why. Yeah, can you talk more about, like, what kind of experiences you had when you were younger? Like, related to discrimination and stuff that made you feel more ashamed to be Asian or, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think every a lot of Asian kids will say that they had experiences at school, like, during lunchtime. This is, oh, like, a yeah. common story that I hear. Like, kids bringing lunch from home, like, made by their parents, and it either being made fun of or, like, it's common to be, like, why is your lunch so smelly? Like, why yeah. does the food look like that? That's gross. And then... Wait, did that a, happen to you? Yeah, it happened to me. But did Daddy bring... Or Dad, like... Did he pack? Asian he did. Food? He did oh. at some point when I was going to school. And then eventually I was like, can I bring my own lunch? Mm. Can you just pack me a ham and cheese sandwich? Oh. Like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then I eventually just started packing my own lunch. And so, and that Rude. makes you feel like, yeah, obviously Rude that's, kids. that's so dumb. I don't think I have actually a memory of, like a vivid memory of that experience. But I did feel like I was more, I was ashamed to be Asian. Not ashamed, but I just felt like like all the popular people in school were white. <laughs> like it's really came down to that for me. I think like all the popular kids in school were white. All of the like pretty girl people that were considered pretty were white girls or like hot were like white boys. And so I feel like it established like this standard for what it meant to be cool and popular and pretty that was all whiteness. And so for mm-hmm. me, that was part of why I was like what why I think I didn't think it was cool to be Asian or like Mm-hmm. Um, whatever and I think did you have that a little bit I didn't think about it that much yeah I think as much but yeah I did feel like super self-conscious and I had a lot lower self-esteem in high school because I thought I was ugly because I was Asian oh really and like would always go home and be like looking at myself in the mirror and like looking at my eyes looking at oh. the traditionally East Asian features that I had and be like this is not like the way I want to look I think a lot of young Asian girls probably feel that way yeah, I think I also, like you said, it wasn't, like, something I was processing at the time. Like, oh, there's this, like, beauty standard of whiteness. I, but back <laughs> then, it's just like, yeah, why do I look different and why am I, you know, what don't, are my eyes bigger? I think that was, honestly, like, the racism, the shit that people say about Asian eyes, like, really fucks you up sometimes. Yeah. And now that I, like, didn't, I'm not even processing it really until now. Oh, and actually, there's also, like, the backhanded things like people would tell me like oh wow your eyes are actually pretty big for an asian and i'm like oh well i must be pretty because my eyes are big like a white person you know i feel like that's like the the thought process instead of like i mean it shouldn't really matter at all like our eyes whatever everyone's eyes are different sizes and like can we just not talk about that but (laughs) yeah it's weird too it's weird because asian woman i don't really know my like if i have had personal experiences with this or not but i definitely know asian women who have had experiences where people say things that are supposed to be nice like oh you look so exotic or like you look so i don't know unique or whatever and it's not a compliment it's creepy and weird and (laughs) yeah um but also on the other on the flip side asian men are seen as like not attractive and like or just don't want yeah yeah women are not or like attracted to asian men too feminine yeah so i also feel like growing up aside from like the pressure to fit in or like look a certain way at school from all those different standards i just some 
somewhere along the way developed like a like a nervousness and probably like an embarrassment of our parents which really sucks like it's really sad to say it now because like i'm so proud of our parents and like they've been through so much and they did they gave up so much and did so much for like us to be here and to be going to this white ass school so (laughs) like it's shitty to say it now but i do think like back when i was younger especially in middle school and high school i like never wanted to have people over i like didn't i was like embarrassed of i think i was embarrassed of like the fact that their english wasn't very good or like the fact that they had our own like chinese traditions at home or like just like things like that you know and mm-hmm. i just always thought it was weird and different and i don't know 100 percent where that came from i'm guessing it was just kind of all a part of like the yeah. all of the standards and like pressure that i was facing at school and in the in like I don't know. I don't know. You see people's parents and you see other families and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, why are my, why is my, like, why are my parents making these mistakes when they speak? Or like, why are they, um, why do when they bring food, when we bring food or whatever to like events at school, like, why is it different from other (laughs) kids' food and stuff like that? And you just really, really wanted to just be normal and be the same. Which is so boring, honestly. Like, not, yeah, not normal. Normal's not the right word. Like, just be the same. Mm Mm-hmm boring ass it's boring but like <laughs> dude that's like everything when you're a kid like you want to fit in that's the biggest thing i know i never felt that like strongly about anything towards our parents mm, that's good. but yeah the biggest thing was just like bringing lunch and like i don't know that's i didn't have that but you know it's weird because like our dad had a restaurant uh, when i was mm-hmm. growing up until i was like in I think I was in just still in elementary school. Yeah. But even in elementary school, like, I didn't want people to come over to our house. But I was, like, still proud of my dad's restaurant. I think... Those are different things. Yeah, I think it it felt really different. Like, I wanted him to get, bring restaurant food. And I wanted him to bring... Uh, or, like, talk about that. And we could talk about, like, Chinese food. Um, but I... So... I don't know why I saw that differently, though. I felt like that was okay. Yeah, it's because... Well, I might be because the restaurant food that we had was still americanized oh like that's normal i guess that's true if he was bringing like fish lips and like chicken liver maybe i wouldn't have been okay with that <laughs> like chinese, <laughs> no, you're right the chinese restaurant yeah. he had was what a lot of white people eat so like right right, right. or i think they had a mix but like mostly just americanized right. chinese food to cater to the the portland yeah. customers and yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it's like that I was really proud of because everyone liked that. <laughs> like everyone yeah. likes that food. Oh, that's shit. <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple when you're a kid. It's like... I know. Well, then I guess how did you... Or how did... Yeah, how did that change when you went to college and like what... What's different now? Yeah, I don't actually know how it changed. I don't know if it was me that was like... I always touch your Sorry. face. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Put my hands here. Uh, <laughs> I can cut that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was... I don't know what it was in college, but I think partially because I met so many people from so many different places, it really opened my eyes to how um, people embrace their own cultures and they didn't care about really anything. They just were themselves. And that mm-hmm. really helped me come out of my shell of, like, I shouldn't be ashamed of being Asian. I should really embrace what this culture has to offer. 
and try to influence other people to do the same. I met a lot of Asians who were also proud of the their own culture, which really helped. Met a lot of Chinese people, and I also met a lot of international students. Mm-hmm. Um, my freshman year, and that was really eye opening because I was like, "Wow, these are like, <laughs> like legit Chinese." <laughs> these are like, yeah, like fobby AF kids, and I'm like, "I love you guys. You guys are great," and they didn't care, you know, what they thought, what people thought yeah, of them. Yeah. And they came all the way to America where there's so much, you know, flack that they could get for being Chinese or right. authentically themselves, and so then I joined. The Chinese Student Association, was a, which was a great experience. I met a lot of friends there. And generally, I felt very proud for the first time in college to talk about my culture with other people. And now I'm, like, the most open person about being Chinese. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you, like, got to experience all of that and, like, really internalized a lot of it so early. Because I think, like I said, for me, in college it definitely started to change. Like I was doing a lot of diversity and inclusion stuff on campus and I met a lot of Asian people, like you also, um, Asian people who were really proud of their culture and wanted to celebrate Lunar New Year, for example. And like just, and oh, and also it helped because like Emory, Emory, the school was making a effort kind of to like have, or maybe it wasn't Emory, but like Emory students at, or yeah, students at Emory were making an effort to like have, diversity events so like I would go to like a Diwali festival for example and I learned what Diwali was and I learned like what different Muslim festivals were or holidays were and then Chinese Student Association and other Asian orgs were having events and I was like wow everyone is like proudly and joyfully celebrating these parts of their culture and we're all together doing it and we're all like you know learning about different traditions and feeling really um, like excited to do that And so then that really, really helped. Yeah. But I still would say that I didn't come into my Asian identity as strongly as I feel it now um, until probably law school. And it's Mm -hmm. as I was preparing for the podcast, I was thinking about this and I realized that in law school and after law school in my nonprofit job, honestly, I think I built my identity from experiencing racism again mm-hmm. <laughs> like you mentioned that in uh, mm-hmm. when we were younger like those that discrimination and feeling embarrassed and things like that yeah. um, and that made us not want to be asian but then in law school for example i was one of like a few a- east asian women in my class of 200 um at uh, i don't want to say where i went <laughs> at now. The, at I, the know. School. <laughs> I know i'm like should i put them on blast i think their diversity is better now um, but anyway, I was at the I University of North Carolina. What's <laughs> up, so Chapel Hill? Um, I, I mean, I highly doubt, like, their our dean is listening to our podcast. What are they going to do? Take your JD away? I know. Put in UNC Law and Blast. I mean, I, I'll just call them out because they should be improving that also. But anyway, <laughs> I think... Oh, so I was, like, one of very few East Asian uh, people, mm-hmm. East Asian women. I pretty much made friends with, like, all the other East Asian women across the different classes and that was the first time in my life as an adult that I experienced racism for being Asian, but also racism for like seeing race, open racism against other people of color and also misogyny, like yeah. sexism. And, and like the law is an effing, like a Ooh, fucking- can't wait for law se- school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. I like 
my I have a yeah. huge soapbox when it comes to like misogyny, sexism, racism in the law because the law is or legal like the legal field is just so white, so male, so like like family history of lawyers, just like this long legacy of like old white men um at the top of every hierarchy. And so I just feel like the law school experience definitely reflected some of that and um I guess just as one example to continue to put you in C law on blast um <laughs> we had uh we had a one of my black friends she's a black woman and she got comments from or a professor at UNC I actually don't know who it was so I'm not going to put the professor on blast <laughs> but a professor at UNC at the time told her that she looked like someone who would do drugs and looked like someone who didn't belong in law school and hearing story and then oh and then another very stark example of like sexism that i experienced was like some male students in our class said that like if they were in a leadership position they would never have a woman like in their cabinet ah yes classic yeah i know okay some classic uh some patriarchy and so (laughs) okay it's just like hearing i think i obviously i knew that racism existed and like discrimination existed but hearing a lot of those very stark kind of comments like just obvious Mm. comments um Mm. in addition to microaggressions like oh when it came to being asian i would hear things like oh where are the other asians like are they in the library studying or and i guess um there like i said there were three east asian women and i constantly got mistaken for the other two yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) which i'm like there are, like, 200 white people here. Like, are you guys mixing up the 200... I'm, like, mixing up the 200 white male names. Right. But you can't even keep, like, three of us straight. And we look super, different. super different. Like, super AF, different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hana knows all, like, three that I'm talking about. Yeah. And so... Mm. It was just, like, stuff like that. Like, a lot of microaggressions mixed with very, like, macroaggressions. Like, macro-racism. Um, and that stuff you're saying, in turn led you to embrace your identity even more yeah which is interesting <laughs> because yeah, like I well as an adult i just became very defensive of it i was just like like there's something like messed up about you all because being asian is awesome and like it just made that sense like even more yeah, yeah, strong yeah. and so i guess mm-hmm. i guess that's what happened and i started like leading some diversity forums and like trying to make some change at unc um but like law school's only three years so i could only really yeah. do so much but getting involved with that connect like having solidarity with other communities of color so not just like asians you know being asian and like fighting for asian things but like connecting with the black student uh, association the hispanic student association and like finding solidarity with other groups Mm -hmm. it continued to like make that sense of my identity stronger not only as an asian but just as a woman of color in like Mm -hmm. this fight for for liberation and equity i think that really speaks to you're like your personal growth because I don't know if you would have done the same when you were younger if you had heard these microaggressions and macroaggressions if you would have spoken up or done the same but I think you've grown a lot like, <laughs> also in law school thanks but I do would say that yeah in college you were still pretty whitewashed <laughs> yeah no I feel that that's what I'm saying it was like definitely like a a curve up kind of thing like yeah a, yeah so I guess that shows that oppression can lead you to to like be yourself <laughs> i know no I, I, tr- like honestly that's so dumb and sad but it's true 
don't think it's dumb and sad. I think it's, yeah. It's sad because, like, well, it's sad because it, the oppression exists, I guess. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And then also it's sad that, for me, it feels a little sad that it had to get to that because of all the other oppression and, like, discrimination that we faced when we were younger um, that, like, oppressed that within me until, yeah. like, it came out fighting later. Mm-hmm. But but still, I mean, it doesn't matter really anyway because now we're... Yeah, it now I feel gone bad about it. Yeah. The worst way, yeah. That's true. I could have withdrawn more and just become right, like, right, even right. more white. Which there are people, very many, a lot of people I know who are like that. I've met yeah, that's a true. lot of kids in college too who are ashamed of their of being Asian. They yeah. specifically like say things that are anti Asian. Oh. They'll say like, well, I don't want to give a too specific of example, but they'll just like be Asian and they'll be like, no, don't be friends with that guy. He's Asian. Like, why would oh, you want to like yeah. hang out with him? He's nerdy. He's whatever. And, like you're fucking asian like yeah that's you know? crazy well actually god that's so see that's sad to me too it's really sad and it reminds me of like it honestly reminds me of guys who like shit on gay people <laughs> who are gay like gay people yeah. positive gay people which no shame to people who are like haven't come out for various reasons like everyone's on their journey um for whatever yeah of course but it like really pisses me off to find like when closeted gay people then just like are violent and like rude towards openly gay people yeah it's exactly the same idea it's like they're unhappy or insecure or whatever and that's the way they lash out and so it is sad to me it is sad but i also like don't want to be like yeah f you guys it's like a product of all the types of things that are not okay for people to be yeah people to feel no exactly about themselves in society Exactly. Oh, gosh. The title of this poem should be like, F Society for, <laughs> for all the things. Ugh, yeah. Is that all we have? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm trying yeah. to think of other things to share about, like, Asian ideas. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like, just to go after law school. So then after law school where there was, like, no diversity, then I entered corporate law which was, like, the same kind of idea because that space is, like, also really toxic, also very patriarchal, also very racist. Um, I have, like, an even bigger soapbox, I feel like, about corporate law. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And I guess the short of it is just, like, there are many reasons why people of color do not end up as partners in big law. And they're, it's it's not because people of color don't want to, and it's not because people of color, like, aren't good enough as lawyers. Honestly, it's mostly because people of color, there's no pathway to getting into leadership positions for them because of lack of mentorship, lack of um, support, and then also implicit bias. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but <laughs> the idea for me is, like, I rebelled even more against, like, that white corporate toxic culture, and then I left corporate law and went to a small nonprofit led by women of color asian women of color queer asian women of color actually and it was like that continued to strengthen my sense of like not just what it meant to be asian but what it meant to be chinese specifically i think at advance uh, i worked at advancing justice <laughs> i guess i'll put that out there because um I, it was a great it's a great place to work and they do a lot of um asian americans like, advancing justice Oh, yeah. Atlanta. Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta. Shout out to my um, former coworkers. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a lot of work around immigrant justice and voting rights stuff. And if you're in Georgia, like, 
look them up. Yeah, <laughs> super cool. Yeah. But in terms of, like, Asian identity, I feel like it was at that point that I was able to kind of distinguish what it meant to be Chinese more because I think being Asian is different than understanding, for me, what it meant to be Chinese. And it's because I met so many people of lots of different Asian backgrounds who were very proud of those specific backgrounds. And so now I'm definitely proud to be Asian, but I'm also specifically proud to be Chinese. I'm specifically proud to be Chinese-American in a lot of ways. And I think that also leads, like, I am developing pride in, like, being a second-generation immigrant, daughter of immigrants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, what does being second-gen immigrant and, like, daughter of first-gen immigrants mean to you? Well, I find that I can relate to a lot of people who are just like me. Mm. A lot of kids who are also second-gen immigrants and they have faced struggles with their own immigrant parents that becomes oftentimes like a point of like oh you feel that way too like yeah that's just like immigrant parent things like <laughs> you know that's just how they are like we gotta live that way or like hillary and i were oh, talking about that's a good example about how about sentimentality yes and asian american immigrant parents no we were talking about sentimentality as it relates to like physical possessions right yeah and like how that's not something that everyone would understand or not yeah. everyone's parents would behave that way so yeah so what have or what we were talking about was um hannah and i grew up in a house <laughs> in a particular Starting from house bare bones I, of the I know, story I know. as i started saying that i was like maybe i rewind a, rewound a little too far um hannah was born <laughs> um no so we grew up in this house and our parents lived there for 20 years like 20 plus years right this is like the house that we connect to our childhood to our grandparents because when they came to stay with us for a few years or like actually i think like seven to nine years yeah um we live there together and so it's a very very sentimental house (laughs) to us every part of it yeah yeah and so we were talking about how like when our parents moved out like a couple years ago to move out to the farm which i think we've also talked about on the podcast yeah we have yeah so they moved out to the farm where they live now hannah and i were really sad to leave the blue ridge house yeah and then this week we were talking about how it felt like parents our parents were not as like torn up about it and hannah i think made a good point when we were talking about it that like they we did spend 20 plus years there but it's not like they grew up there it's like this is a house that they loved and they lived in in the u.s but it's also just they've a They've had many other homes. Yeah, they've had other homes. <laughs> so, and for us, it's like, this is the only home ever to exist. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it, it was evident to me that, like, my parents were not sad in that way. And they were really more just in, like, excited about going to the new house. And they weren't, okay, like, yeah. really thinking about the Baby old house as, behind. like, oh, we're going to miss this. Although, I don't want to say that. And then our mom is going to listen and be like, you I'm- can't assume that <laughs> I wasn't sad about the house. Okay, no, we're not saying she... Okay, mommy, we're not saying that you weren't sad. Mommy and daddy, we're not saying you weren't sad. I think you, I think you were sad. Yeah. But I'm just, th- I think that Hana and I were like way <laughs> more and like maybe too sad, like intensely Dude, sad. Yeah, it was like a, before they sold our old house, it was a back and forth. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, oh yeah, both sure of us like, you I can't believe you're moving. <laughs> Hillary was like betrayed by the fact, that, like the thought of like leaving. Okay, so. let's not be that dramatic. You were, you were like, <laughs> you were like, 
can't remember what you said. You were just like, you guys seriously gonna move to freaking this place and leave our old house? Like, oh, it was yeah. a big thing. It was a big thing. I was really defending our house. I was like, yeah, on behalf of our house, I can't believe you're doing this. Yeah, I remember we had conversations about it when this was happening, and I was like, well, this is what parents like. They'll be happier. Like, they want to do this, and you were like, <sighs> like this uh, is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, Hana is definitely being more diplomatic. And I think that speaks to Hana's, like, the time that Hana got to spend with our parents without me. Yeah. Like, just the three of them, and they kind of formed their own Very relationship in that way. Uh, which is, I think, great. And also, I'm not salty about it. But, um... um. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, but then, and anyway, then we started talking about how... Why am I telling the story the about story like, what about? The story was about sentimentality. About. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't have the same understanding of attachment and this to place, sentiment to, to place. places. Like at home. Which you then were talking about how that's related to... Yes, that's related to them being immigrants for sure. Like just, to me, to me, I don't know if like they think about it this way or anything like that. But to me, it feels like because they had to leave their home in a totally different country and like leave behind their family like this is just a move you know like they're just they're staying in the same city or like pretty much the same city they're moving to a really nice house that they like designed and helped construct and all of this stuff not they didn't like like build the walls themselves but like they helped like with the (laughs) plan clarifying (laughs) uh so they were just excited for their next step and to me it felt uh, to us it felt really different but then also one of the things that I was, like, all messed up about was that when I went home, our mom had spent a lot of time, like, trying to clean out this house and, like, had donated a ton of stuff or thrown away a ton of stuff or, like, sold. Yeah. Like, literally when I was home, like, every other day, I feel like someone was someone from the neighborhood was coming to pick up, like, a plant that mommy was selling yeah. or, like, a table. Like, you know, right, like she sure. was getting rid of all of our furniture. Which is a big deal because it's like <laughs> we don't like our family doesn't just buy new furniture like oh it's yeah just, we have the dining table you know the one that I'm thinking of at Blue Ridge yeah the wood one yeah the kitchen that's table. the dining table that's our table. dining table it's a kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kitchen table. Yeah, I'm trying to make a point here and you're trying to correct <laughs> semantics <laughs> no it's a kitchen table that's our kitchen table our couch that's our couch that yes. we were like no that's a good yeah especially the kitchen table because when my our mom told me that she is selling the kitchen table hannah and i were like you're selling the kitchen table wait why were we so dude i don't know well first of all i do have dreams still about that kitchen table and so anyway hannah had this weird like intense attachment to the table yeah let me give my spiel so like the kitchen table <laughs> okay. right the kitchen table so viewers can really understand our attachment viewers. to it. like that is <laughs> listeners <laughs> go ahead the kitchen table that's the table that i used to do math homework with my mom on oh at nights traumatizing memory no no no. <laughs> no not anymore but okay. like you know that was like time that we had together that's the table we ate all of our family dinners on a lot yes. of really great food that our dad made that's a table that our grandma used to make dumplings on. Yes. And we would help her make dumplings. And That's what I was going to say, too. We would all sit together with our grandparents and eat there. It's just not just a table. I was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when we said that to our mom, I think she said something like, Dude, why are you freaking out about this table? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's like also, also, it's really old and like really crusty. It's not like a nice table. No. 
Okay, I think it was there for all like twenty some like, years. Filled with like grime. <laughs> like, okay, oh yeah, that's true, true. Sound really No, it's not like gross. <laughs> it wasn't gross. It was just worn. It was just love. It was worn. Love. There's like that's flour in the cracks because of popo or uh, yeah. grandma's dumplings. Yeah. Yes, that's a great way. We should write yeah. poetry. It was grimy. And <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a nice. It was still a good table. Okay. But anyway, the point is not about the state of the table. The point Talking about is this table for like too long. Our mom, um, both of our parents. Well, I think daddy maybe a little bit less, but mommy especially was just like, I don't know why you're freaking out about this table because it's just a table. We're moving. We can't bring both tables, so we're gonna bring like the nicer dining room table. So like, yeah, what up? And we were yeah, like, sure. yeah. And we so, were like, we don't like the nicer one. We don't use that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. We're like, we have no memories with that table. <laughs> Wait, literally. Like, we literally have no memories of that table. And then we had this, like, honestly, pretty ugly couch. And our yeah. mom was, it's, like, green and plaid. <laughs> Wait, is that still a popcorn? No, they replaced they it. They replaced it. Yeah, they replaced it now. But anyway, they moved it to the farm <laughs> at first. But mom, I think our mom was trying to sell it. Probably no one wanted it. Because it was no one wanted it. She tried to sell it. And when she tried to sell it, I also freaked out. And it's, like, not a pretty couch. Yeah, you don't even like that couch. No, I don't. I, like, don't even really sit on it. But I, like... Our grandparents like it, and like, oh. honestly, our grand. I remember our grandma like, uh, resting dough on that couch. Yeah, dude, yeah. Like she would put it in a pot and then cover, cover it and put it on the and couch. Then I would, like sit on it by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> and so like, it's little things like that that to Hannah and me is like a big deal, but to our mom and dad, it's more just like, we're moving. We're being practical. We're moving, and like they're not attached to these possessions. And to me, that reads as. Um, like they're used to giving up things yeah. and they're not as like yes, because, harmed by it. No, yeah, and also it's not just like they're not attached to the stuff in Blue Ridge. It's like they're not necessarily that attached to anything from any of their homes in China or in Portland or whatever before they came to Blue Ridge. Because they can't. With the exception be. of photo albums. Photos, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what we... Because then when we think about like what they... Any physical possessions that do mean a lot to them, it's, yeah, it is the photos. It's like the... I guess it's like kind of like the irreplaceable stuff, you know, and yeah, like that. It was also really important to my mom that like we have backups of the photos and like the physical yeah. ones we don't have backups for. Those are really really important to her. That was always a big thing. She yeah, was like Hillary, can you like put this on a CD? I haven't done that yet, but yeah, <laughs> I like that sentiment. I I mean like I think it will always be important for me to hold on to stuff that means a lot to me. But I understand and appreciate their sentiment too. That like people are. The most irreplaceable important. and yeah the memories it's just they've always told us that too well i guess it's like also for them like the memories are really important but you don't need the thing right to like have those memories which is true they're not attached to their possessions but they're also my mom our mom also like doesn't like to throw away things easily like it's very it's like a balance like she's not attached to them but then she doesn't want to waste it's kind of like that. Like, yeah. how she takes... Those are two different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are different things. Um, but, like, that's another immigrant parent thing is, like... You can, like, use things for a really long time and still not yeah. be attached to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it thinks. Yeah. That's what I was trying to put together. Yeah, yeah. Like, she will not throw away a shirt if she can continue to use it. Like, it's useful. But if it's yeah. just not practical, then she's, you know, she'll get rid of it. Yep. E- easily, without, like, that weird sentimental attachment yeah. that we have. Very true. Maybe it's not weird. So but, true. Yeah. Oh, actually, one more story for immigrant parents that I have thought about a lot is, like, I feel like a lot of kids of immigrant parents get, like, immigrant parents not being able to pronounce certain English words. 
and back when I was younger, I was like really embarrassed of that, and I felt like oh well, I guess yeah, one story. Mentioned- yeah, one story is like there were words that I learned only from our parents, so I thought they were right. Oh my god! <laughs> Literally, I know exactly I thought, what you're yeah. saying. So okay, the example is, and I still struggle now to like remember which version is right, like the correct quote unquote correct English um, <laughs> pronunciation. Edamame is that right? Yeah. Okay, edamame. Edamame. And so growing up, our parents called it edamame okay and like they i think they just like that's how they read it off, yeah. the, off the page and i grew up saying edamame and then sometime in like middle school or high school i said that like to my friend i guess also it's not a word that you like just say all the time so <laughs> it must have come up in conversation where we we're like ordering at a restaurant and i was like yeah, i, I like edamame and literally my friends were like what is <laughs> that <laughs> yeah and back then i think i remember being pissed like at our parents i was like what do you like it's pronounced edamame being mad they didn't even and they didn't they also didn't like, care also they don't care and they didn't know yeah it's not like they were like let's t- like, teach Let, hillary let's mislead <laughs> let's mislead her so she's embarrassed dude i have another example of that oh what that is happened to both of us and okay honestly though is this is this like legit or if i don't know if our dad was just trying to play like a joke on us or something oh i know you're gonna say yeah but like there was one time i went to a movie and with my friend allison who listens to our podcast hey allison shout out allison and we walked out and there was like one of the advertisements for upcoming movies and i was like hey look like there's an actor matt matt damon (laughs) i was like matt damon's in that movie she was like, th- she started laughing. She was like, what do you mean? I was like, what? What do you mean? Yeah, and she was like, it's Matt Damon. I was like, so, I also remember being pissed when I got home. I was like, well, I was like, daddy, like, are you serious? Like, you you told me this is Matt Damon. I literally embarrassed myself so much in front of my friend. Like, also, did you notice that Hannah hesitated before yeah, she like, said Damon? Because she wasn't sure which one was right. Because yeah. that's, that's real. It's really ingrained. Mm-hmm. And I, um, with the same exact, like, name. Dude, I don't know why we were reading about Matt Damon in class. Okay. But we were reading, we must have been reading about, like, pop culture. Mm-hmm. Because I was asked to we read out reading loud. reading out loud? Yeah, I was reading out loud. That's worse than Dude, mine. Worse. This is worse. <laughs> I was in class. I don't remember what year. But I remember I was in, like, a portable classroom. So I must have been in elementary school. But anyway. Okay, was really I in going a portable into <laughs> not relevant all right so i was reading out loud which i already hated because i was like an anxious kid and was like nervous about my english and so even though my you know my english was fine i was just really not confident (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) okay and then i read in front of the whole class blah 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 you know some examples of famous celebrities include matt Damon and Brad Pitt or something, whatever, like the sentence. Honestly, now looking back, I don't remember if someone like called me out or like people started laughing yeah, or what happened. Must have happened. I think people probably started laughing. Probably people started laughing. And I think probably once I said it, I was like, wait, this might not be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know why our, why did we just, how come Matt Damon's like all over the place? That's another question. <laughs> yeah. Why is it prevalent, man? Yeah. It's very... <laughs> I should uh, at Matt Damon for this podcast. 
Anyways, I our dad is gonna listen to this and probably laugh because he always thought it was so funny when we would yeah, mispronounce the curse of him, and he still says Matamon to this day. Yeah, and, and he even still knowing, confuses us. No, knowing that it confuses us on purpose. So thanks, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, now I think I think the overarching thing with like immigrant identity is just also learning to be like. Like, not embarrassed. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. It's like, it's funny. It is what it is. And, like, it comes from these different cultural Yeah, um, dude, I'd be nuances. mispronouncing words left and right. Me too, and, me like, too. that's just me. Also, honestly, now I'm, like, if I pronounce something wrong and someone calls me out, I'm like, well, fuck your colonizer's English. Wait, what? <laughs> okay, I don't do that. Hillary's <laughs> extremely aggressive about her no, and defensive about her mispronunciation. Yeah, I've mispronounced it. I'm like, well... You know, whatever. I'm an immigrant. Like, I'm a second-gen immigrant. Oh, what, kind are they of di- what are they saying? Like, haha, you immigrant? Or like- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people are just like, oh, you can't, don't have to pronounce that English word. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, speak Chinese. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't say that, but. I pull out all my. <laughs> arsenal of, yeah. yeah. Defense. Defense. Go off. Go off. Going off. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, well, anyway. <laughs> Those were good stories. Yeah, stories. but I think to like wrap up identity, mm-hmm. I just am curious if you want to share very briefly because we've just been going on about <laughs> tables and Matt yes, Damon. Yes. Why is embracing these parts of our identity, like being Asian, being immigrant, being whatever, why is that important to you? I think it's become increasingly important to me that other Asian people embrace their identity because... We've seen so much anti-Asian sentiment in mm-hmm. the news. It's and been violence. politicized in every way these past few years. And yeah. violence, yeah. And hear these stories. And it's just more... It's just so optimal now more than ever to embrace being Asian, I think. And feeling love for your community and being there for people. And yeah. another big part of why it has been important for me always to embrace my identity is that like I know a lot of... Asian people and friends who struggle with speaking up. They're mm-hmm. like, we're like the invisible minority. That has translated into a lot of statistics for like people who are often depressed or anxious oh, being okay, Asian yeah. and they're not able or feel like they don't have a voice to speak up to get mental health treatment and to get help for things because there's so much stigma. There's so much like you shouldn't feel that way. A lot of time we talked about how it doesn't really exist in Asian immigrant communities to even talk about mental health issues. I think that's always been, like, something that I wanted to want to change. Yeah, I mean, you said it way better than I could have said either of those things. That was awesome. But I was just going to add that when it comes to, like, the anti-Asian violence, I think it's really easy to want to then, like, even hide being Asian even more, you know, because it does feel kind of risky. And there have definitely been multiple yeah. times in the last couple of years that I've been nervous about being by myself yeah. as an Asian woman in a city or something. Or like when we went with our dad to downtown Portland even, yeah. um, I just didn't want him to be walking by himself. Like sl- like he walks a little slower than us sometimes. And if we're just like being crazy and excited, Hannah might, and I might like walk a little bit ahead of him. But when we were in downtown and there were lots of people and it was just like a dark city at night, I was like, we're not yeah. like we have to be together. Yeah. We have to watch out for our dad. Like, and it sucks to have to think it about did. that. And so I feel like with that as like a context right now, which, you know, as part of a really long history of anti-Asian violence, um, it's easy to then be like, oh, my gosh, I need to hide that I'm Asian or like I need to withdraw yeah. even more. 
But like Hannah said, like hiding being Asian is not going <laughs> to address that problem. Yeah. And we have to be there as a community because these are our parents, our grandparents, like our partners that, and sisters and stuff that we're, are, we're seeing being hurt and attacked yeah. um, and hated. So it's like... Yeah, that's only, not the answer. Yeah, yeah, and only having a stronger sense of our community can we exactly care for each other the best. Exactly. Okay. Anything else that you want to add to before we move on to our next segment? Any closing statements about closing sta- AAPI and immigrant identity? Woo! Asian! <laughs> we should just cut it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no closing statement. <laughs> I want to tell people who might be struggling with, like, their identity, embracing their identity if you're Asian American or oh, an immigrant. Yeah. Like, I hope this is motivating for you and, like, pro- possibly relatable um, in terms of our experiences that we've had. Yeah. struggles growing up i really want to encourage you to step out of whatever standards that you feel like you have to fit into that are oppressing your identity and be yourself and find other people like surround yourself by with people that will help you feel more positive supported about it. yep i think that's like the theme of our whole podcast is like find better people if you don't <laughs> have better people but no, yeah support means makes a world of difference it does yeah so and also um that was hana's closing statement mine was woo asian <laughs> Oh, but also just really quick note is that like I think also like the rising like movement for more representation of Asians in like media and Asians in politics and like just Asians like representation everywhere and also representation of people of color everywhere has helped because like you it's really I don't know you just you do see people that look like you and like represent certain stories and interests and like even the bad experiences but like understanding a lot of those things yeah. in positions of power or positions of leadership and influence um, or just like in, in art and stuff. And so that stuff does make a difference. And also uh, been seeing more Asian male leads in like rom-coms and stuff like that, which is a small thing. But like Hana was saying, after so many stereotypes and like uh, demasculization of men, Asian men, it's like great to see that changing too. Agreed. All right, well, we do have a couple other segments planned for today. First, we decided to really capitalize on the idea of generational and generational. Um, and we're going to talk about our experiences with... I feel like this is a huge hard pivot, but I'm going to do it anyway. Hookup culture. Yeah, hookup culture! <laughs> this has nothing to do with uh, being Asian. what we were just talking about. Oh, maybe. I guess it does because we're Asian, but... Okay, it's like a very... <laughs> <laughs> a stretch. A stretch, yeah. <laughs> But we thought it would just be fun and interesting, hopefully, to talk about um, hookup culture and, like, sexual culture, I guess. Sexual culture, I don't know if that's right. But, like, sex and hookup culture on college campuses. Okay. Or in college. In college. Yeah, between now, this when Hana's actively yes. in college, and me. Okay. Eight years. I actually just thought of one thing that I know for a fact is different because okay. I've noticed when... Hillary talks to her friends that there's different meaning for the word dating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in our generation, in Gen Z, dating is like exclusive dating. You're only seeing that one person and it's a step after that comes after talking. Okay, so the pres- like the process or the progression for y'all is like nothing. Okay. <laughs> and then talking and then dating. Yeah. And then hooking up is like 
overarching like no. it could be during talking or or what no no okay so hooking up like when you're dating someone you don't say i hooked up with them like you could you have right no or, no, no. Oh. so you, like you don't hook up while you're dating yeah okay it's the same for you then no yeah, yeah we're yeah, making yeah. people confused okay. uh, it's like you <laughs> talk you can hook up while talking yeah you'd be like i hooked up with him or whatever and then we've been talking you know hooking up and now we're dating okay and dating ex- is almost is always exclusive yeah what if you're in an open relationship well that's obvious. what do you call it okay that's different no no what do you call it then I'm in an open relationship. You say that explicitly. Yeah. Okay. But you couldn't be like, I'm dating two people. Or like, I'm yes, dating... Yes, you can. Okay. So That's dating still just Specific means... to open relationship. But yeah. I know that you guys talk about dating like you can date multiple people and want to be in a closed relationship with one of them. Well, I, my brain just farted out when you were saying that. I didn't hear it. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said words and I didn't hear them. Like, my assumption of your yeah. generation's um, meaning of dating is that you can date multiple people at a time. Yes. But you can want to be in a close relationship with one of them, and that's separate. Yes. Well, okay, so kind of. I feel like... Okay, <laughs> I think we don't do a good job of being clear, maybe, in our generation. Because to me, it's like, you can date... You can be dating multiple people. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm just like... Oh, yeah, we're dating, but we're not, like, exclusive. So I think we're, we're, we have to specify that. It's like, we're dating, but we're not exclusive. And then mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, yeah, we're dating now... And we're exclusive, you know? Like, yeah. you close it off if it's closed, and you don't. Okay. You leave it open if maybe it's not. That's more in line with, like, act, the actual original meaning of the word dating. Yes. Which is, like, you take someone on a date. Right. And, like, you court them or whatever. And that's open-ended. You court them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we should switch be... to courting. <laughs> are you courting or are you dating? <laughs> okay, yeah. For us, it's not really a thing. It's not a thing to be, like, we're dating, but we're not exclusive. It's, like, we are going to make it exclusive... And if and it's not exclusive, it's talking? Yeah. You'd be like, I'm talking. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, we say that too. We say that too. But I think that's like even more casual than dating. Like you just, yeah, we're just talking. Like you may have gone on a date or two or like. Yeah, that's the same as us. Okay. You could also just be like chatting on Tinder or something. Yeah, but it's very, very, I've never heard a kid from my generation say like, I'm dating more than one person. That's not a thing. Oh, this is an open relationship. Oh, this is open relationship. <laughs> Dude, that's not like... Wait, also, how common would you say open relationships are for your generation? They're not. They're not common. Okay. It's just a coincidence that we were recently talking to one of my friends who was discussing open relationships. Right. But other than that instance, I haven't heard of anyone in an open relationship. Okay. I would say I, I'm get, I think my impression of our generation is that it's more common. It's not super common, but I... Do you think I've had more exposure to, like, that as an idea than Probably. it sounds like you have? Yeah. A similar vein, like, what does hooking up mean to your generation? Hooking up is, it could be anything from kissing to going the whole way. Like, that's what hooking up is. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So if someone says hooking up, I hooked up with them, you actually have no idea what they actually did sexually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can... But does it mean, like, holding hands? Dude, no. Just, <laughs> what? <laughs> I hooked up. <laughs> no, oh my god. How did I just held my hand? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but so then you have to like clarify if. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, then like your friend would be like, "Oh yeah, I hooked up with him last night," and then you'd be like, "Oh my god, what happened?" Okay. <laughs> it's not like oh like that like yeah. That it's means not self-explanatory yeah. in the slightest. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know. This is my this is my own impression. For me, hooking up means more than making out. 
Like, oh, okay. if I just made out with someone, I would just feel like I made out with them. Or if I just kissed them once, I'd be like, yeah, I, I kissed them. I think anything other than making out... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think anything other than making out. Hmm. Okay. Including sex, obviously. But, like, even just, like, other types of... Like, not even just, like, full penetrative sex is considered hooking up. And then I guess on that no, my other question is, like, how open do you feel like your generation... We're, we're speaking on behalf of our entire generation here. Spokesperson but, for Gen Z, yes. Yeah. I'm here. As spokesperson. <laughs> Wait, so what's your impression of how open your generation is about talking about sex and, like, just, yeah, sexuality and stuff? Oh, we're, like, really open. You really think open. so? Yeah, I think so. Especially about sexuality. It's been, like, it's, like, very easy. I think it depends where you are in the U.S. or where you are in the world, obviously. But, like... Yeah. If yeah. you're in a fairly liberal city or school, then it's, like, very easy for people to be, like, oh, I'm gay, I am bi or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a lot easier now than it was for people. And I also think more more people in college have things figured out about themselves than they did in high school. So, like, yeah, it's different, but... Okay, that's sexuality. And I feel like my generation, yeah. it had to change with time also, like, how accepting society was of it. Yeah. But um, what about sex? Like, I think they're pretty open. What do you mean by open? I guess, like, if you're, like, sitting on the side of the road... No, sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> if you're, like, sitting on campus in public, like, would you talk openly about sex, or would you just be, like, oh, like, oh, like, you know, we, uh, we did the thing. Oh, we talk <laughs> openly. It's, like, if you're with, like, your close friends. Yeah. It's, like, no, nothing is off limits. Okay. You tell them everything. Okay. But I don't know if that's different for men. I think it's different for men. Like guy friends, Meaning, I don't think you say like specifically oh. what happens, but <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it is like it's not a bad thing. It's like no one's gonna chastise you in your friend groups for having sex if that's what you mean. Like mm. no one's judgmental like that. It's very casual these days. Wait, actually, on that, that's a really good. Uh, that reminds me of a good question, which is like, what's the shame? <laughs> what's the shame like, or if the, is there shame around like, God, what do you call it again? Like body count or something? Which uh-huh. I hate that body term. Count? Yeah. I think, I think we just, depends. like, what's your number? <laughs> yeah, I think it depends. Okay. It depends on what crowd you hang with. Because I have friend groups that are, like, who don't give a crap. And okay. I don't give a crap. I'm yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Me too. You guys can say whatever you like. I'm never going to judge you for anything. Yeah. But then I definitely have met people who are who think it's a really big deal to, like, date someone who has had other bodies or has a high body count. So it depends. There's no thing that Gen Z, you know? There's no, like, general. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I'm just wondering if, like, your generation you feel like with time your generation has become more conservative about like sex and bodies and like relationships or more like open definitely more open okay definitely more open yeah and that's probably also because of media and like the types of shows that kids are watching Mm. these days are very open about sex a lot of them talk about sex explicitly sex ed sex education y'all really good show what other questions do you have Wait, so what's the, like, main difference that we found? There's, like... It seems like there are different definitions of what things mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I didn't really talk about, like, <laughs> my time. Like, our culture on campus. Like, hooking up and stuff like that. Like, what's... If it, we were really open or not. I'm trying to think back to when I was in college, which was eight years ago. So, bear with me. But I do feel like I personally felt a little nervous about like being too open about hooking up with multiple people but i do feel like the culture was still pretty slut shamey 
You know, I'm trying to remember. I do. I feel like yeah, maybe it was a, a little slut shamey. I think I remember talking a lot about sexual assault on campus with people, and when people and when women especially were assaulted, like there was a lot of victim blaming happening and stuff like that. Like that was still. Um, that still, that still happens thing. now, of course. Hundred percent thing, and I hate it. Yeah, and so I do feel like that contributes to a culture where, like, as, as a woman, you don't want to be like I'm sleeping with this many people or like um you know whatever yeah there's always been there's still a culture of like the woman getting blamed for anything yeah that happens oh i think there's a lot of emphasis on like people being lonelier like like, people wanting to be with people that's a big thing it's not like looked down on to be single i mean it's looked down on to be single it is not looked down on but like if you're in a relationship it's very normal and like great see that's okay i feel (laughs) say what you want to say yeah i feel like actually no okay it's kind of coming back to me now i feel like being in a serious relationship in college was not that common back when i was in college Mm -hmm. okay here we go every freaking person i know is in a relationship yeah yeah yeah. in college back in college um for us it was cooler to not be in a relationship because we were like oh those people are in a relationship they're just like already boring and like yeah yeah yeah. like live your life yeah yeah. be young it's like oh yeah they're happy but like also fuck that kind of thing (laughs) yeah there are definitely people who embrace being single and doing single life shit and stuff but there's no shame towards people who are not doing that so one thing i've noticed from your conversations with your or maybe you're just telling me about some of your friends and how they meet people is like people are meeting people on dating apps like like emory kids are meeting other emory kids through dating apps yeah is that common it's like probably 90 percent of interactions okay that is definitely different which makes sense because of tech and stuff but like well i guess dating apps were really only starting when i was either leaving i think leaving college or even out of college but like we only met people we just met people like by talking yeah. to them on campus <laughs> right like yeah there was no none of that app stuff and it's super weird to me to think about like someone on the same campus as you like it's a campus it's so small and you're like only connecting with them for the first time through like an app that's like almost a hundred percent of interactions and also that goes on to like friends because when people before people meet other people and they know they're gonna see them for the first time or have an interaction they will like stalk their instagram or like you'll right. go and like look and see their life you have this idea of like the person before you've actually said any words to them and so that's a lot of the first impression is that that's kind of that is kind of weird like, i think about it like okay you go to the same school yeah but the dating apps like they specifically know they know that kids are doing that because they will sort you to see only matches with people from emory like there's a college yeah. system dating apps now. will profit from that yeah so, like, they know that kids are doing that. And it's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is interesting that, like, you can meet someone without ever having to leave your dorm. You can just, like, text them and be like, come over. And then you don't have to, like... But it's possible that they live, like, next to you. And you don't yeah, even know. it is. Like, that's so weird to... I mean, it's possible in a city. It's, like, you know... It's you, not weird because people don't want to talk to each other in person. Like, they, there's... I mean, it's just too scary and, like, not enough courage to, like, go up to your neighbor. Or, like, be like, hey, what's up? What's your name? It's, like, this is the way you do it. You match with them mm. and you chat and see... And then you can avoid any potential awkwardness. <laughs> you feel like it's making people's social skills worse? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. But I also think it's, it's a way to like for people to form bonds with people that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to meet as okay, well. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And I think it's also like, at least for me, when I was on dating apps for like a hot second, it was safer mm. to like 
kind of get to know someone over the internet without having to put my like body out like you know just be out there physically and meet like this random oh, guy yeah so i that's feel like that's also stronger now, now. Yeah, yeah 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 it's like when you're i feel like when you're a girl on a dating app you do like a full background check on the man like you try to if you're gonna go <laughs> on a date FBI with him, background check button yeah <laughs> they should do that on tinder yeah no they like you'll match and then before you actually go on a date you need to see his instagram his friends whatever blah blah, blah. and if he doesn't have like any of those socials like do you think it's like really sketch or it can be th- sus. Yeah. You should, like, Snapchat first or something. Uh, that, yeah. Also, kids these days talk on Snapchat a lot. <laughs> kids like, they just days. use it as a messaging app. Yeah. I use it only to send funny faces that I don't want Dude, people to send to each other. Dude, that's why I sometimes feel like I'm on the older end of Gen Z, which I think I am, because, mm-hmm. like, I don't do that, but I know younger kids do. Wait, talk on Snapchat? Yeah, I don't do that anymore. Oh, okay, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I do. It, I feel like you're painting a kind of a sad picture of college kids. Well, I little. think it's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. People are having fun and doing crazy stuff all the time in college. Yeah, yeah. But that is the reality of yeah the hookup culture and stuff. Okay. So I, I feel like it's maybe not more like... You're not like more scared of sex or anything like that. But like there's definitely a, like some more like social anxiety. Yes. And, like, tech-related, social media-related social pressures and anxiety Absolutely. around sex and hookup culture. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. If there are topics... Hey, audience. If there are topics that um, you want us to explore, like, generationally... God, I always say generationally. But generationally, like this, let us know. If there are... Or if, um, or if you hated this segment, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> always open to our... I think our parents feedback. will let us know. Our ba- <laughs> Shit. Shoot. <laughs> Okay, for our last segment, we're in our, the final stretch now. Final segment, yeah. So the background behind this segment is... Oh, my God. We were looking for something to talk about, and... When I was in high school, I went through a phase, a, like, four-year phase, where I think all of high school, yeah, I wrote a nearly or, yeah, pretty much a daily diary. Well, how many pages of it? Is there okay? This is not the whole diary. This is forty three that I'm looking at right now. But the font is eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, size eight font. Okay, so I have one, two, three. I have five documents that I saved. Some of these files are like a hundred pages, probably. So this one's the biggest. Let's see how the biggest one is. The biggest one was only six months, and um, but it's seventy seven pages. So I'm gonna guess at eight point font. (laughs) (laughs) And there's five of them. They're all pretty big. I'm not going to go into all the That's details. like about 400 pages of writing okay, in 8-point font. It's a, <laughs> stop saying 8-point font. It's really small. Yeah. yeah, it's really small. Yeah. Um, and so last summer, I went back home to um, Oregon. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I like want to edit my own diary sometimes when I see some typos. Y'all stuff. are probably like, why is this interesting? Why do we care about her diary? Oh, yeah. Because Hillary's writing... <laughs> is like unmatched like i've never seen someone write like this at this level yeah like (laughs) wait no wait let me finish the story when i went home last summer um oh so okay yeah when i was in high school i saved all of these files on these like cds physical cds and obviously that's not a very safe backup and so when i went home last summer i spent a lot of time like transferring all of the files um, onto google drive and also onto an external just like backing up everything so we don't lose it thank god i did because i came across these (laughs) diaries of mine from 2016 to 2019 or 2010 you were actually not that young when you were writing these okay 
It's 2009 that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And that's when you were 17, se- dude. No, no, I was 16 because I turned 17. Okay, that's that like year. the same. I was 16 or 17. Okay, I'm 16. <laughs> and I was in high school. And Hannah and I spent a lot of time <laughs> reading them. <laughs> and we thought it'd be a fun segment to let you in a little bit on my life back then. You, you can read some. We, I'll read some. Okay. We'll just wing it. Okay. Um, Start from the beginning. There's a ton of names. In also, here. these <laughs> entries are not short. They're like like three hundred words. Wait, let's at see. Least. Let's see. This one, the full one, we're probably not gonna read all of it, but the full one is, dude, six hundred <laughs> words. <laughs> it's in fucking. She 8. used to 5. write like full ass essays for each day journal entries. Also, for context, let's. I'll take you back. I would come home from high school, <laughs> and you know. Instead of hanging out with my friends or doing, or I don't know, maybe it was after homework, I would sit down at my computer and I would document my day. Okay, here we are. Take you back. Right. This is what January my day was 7th, like. January seventh, January seventh, two thousand nine. I think you need to use a voice that you think is me back then. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, it starts with "Not much to say today," and then she talks for six hundred words. <laughs> so, not much to say today, and good thing because each minute of the evening is valuable to me. Dude, what? <laughs> Okay, that's also, keep in mind that this is her journal that she wrote, like, for herself. Like, no one else was going to see this. I guess yeah, it's no, no, obvious our, by our what you wrote. Our parents didn't read it. <laughs> Let's be clear. Our parents did not read this. Homework is consuming me and filling my brain and my time to the brims. It was a plain day, despite a rockin' outfit. New glow skinny jeans, purple Henley, and various tanks. All Wait, together? How many tanks was I wearing? <laughs> like, this is various. Yeah. This is five tanks, <laughs> a purple Henley. <laughs> Ballet flats and my knit beret to top it off. That milk compliments like a farmer squeezing udders. No. <laughs> like a farmer squeezing udders. It's, um, like I'm just trying to think. It's called a simile. You as a kid. <laughs> you as a kid, sitting down and being like, "What analogy did I use to talk about my outfit?" <sighs> A push was mostly discussion and quizzing. What's and I, A push? Oh, A push is AP US history. So I'm talking about my classes now. As you often did in these. <laughs> a push was mostly discussion and quizzing, and I realized most boys look better with longer hair. Not like girly long hair. Oh, no! But as opposed to buzz cut. Oh, Did I no! say their names? Uh, no, just make up new ones. Bob and Joe served <laughs> as perfect examples today. <laughs> Staring at guys' hair in class. Wait, but also not girly long not hair. Not girly long hair, yeah, to specify. Okay. Also, not many boys can pull off facial hair. Not even the gorgeous. Do I say his name? <laughs> you could say his name. No one knows him. Okay, I mean, okay. he he's not going to be listening. Not many boys can pull off facial hair. Not even the gorgeous Jared Holmesley. Woo! What up, Jared? <laughs> so that's saying something. Speaking of, Jared is now full-on skinny jean, emo scarf, and bearded perfection. <clears throat> I usually don't go for that kind of guy, but on him, anything works. He could wear potato, potato sack overalls. <laughs> <laughs> be lovely. All right, why, my turn. <laughs> why potato sack overalls? I don't know. Okay, my turn, my turn. <clears throat> he got the part of Joseph in the upcoming play, like expected. Dude, don't do that voice. This is just you. Like, That's probably how I talked. So I will probably <laughs> be seeing that production. Health careers today was fun. That's a another class. Pre-med class I took. Yeah. It was insane searching for photo ops to snapshots. What? what? Oh, to snap shots for our public health production. Nope, I read the wrong line. <laughs> it's because your font is too small. <laughs> it's because her font is eight, so she's getting confused. <laughs> the lines run together, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> for our public health poster. All the pictures have to be original work on the poster. So Jenny, Ashley, and I were being freaks. <laughs> 
What? <laughs> for being freaks as we dashed up and down staircases and into corners and bathrooms. Like, what are you even I, saying I, I right now? I don't know. Why are you guys being freaks in the corners? I don't know. And dashing we into the bathrooms. We're taking photos. And then it actually got some really dramatic pictures, which was pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> then, we struggled to record our PSA voiceover, Imagine. breaking into laughter and forcing the work to go into lunchtime. Also, like, 90% of my diary entries were about boys. Like, different boys. Every yeah. entry has, like, a new boy's name that I'm like, He is so cute today. He, we made eye contact. He said these words as I ran into him casually by the lockers. Yeah. Like, it's like stuff like that. No, it's, like, very detailed descriptions about interactions that probably were just, like, you guys passing each other in the hallway. But, like, 100%. It was just us passing us, each other in the hallway. And I was like, he blinked four times at me. And I flipped my hair. And it's like... <laughs> 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 Why? This is all my it brain so like good. cared about at the time. Oh, also, like, a lot of cool outfits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. I feel like, not every day, but, like, the days I wore, like, a cute outfit, I um, described it. So, I have a... Do- like, I literally have a <laughs> document of fashion from high school. <laughs> So, like, for example, on January 13, 2009, I said, Right when life is starting to get me down, it picks right up again with crisp goodness. Today was a very pleasant day from the top. I proclaim my outfit as stunning. Denim skirt hitched up. Eddie Bauer fleece jacket. White tape. That doesn't sound cute. (laughs) Perky ponytail. And dark metallic shiny leggings lined with lace that caught the eye of many a wonderful complimenter. Dude, that sounds like really awful. Why was I I should recreate these outfits. Yeah, I know. We should. Why was I out there like just digging for compliments dude you're obsessed with your your outfit yeah but is it was it like 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 run me through like when you would come home from school and write this were you just like dying to get this down yeah Mm -hmm. i remember being like i need to get to my computer so or the computer that we had in our house so i can document this before i forget these little interactions that i had with these because they're very important they were all that was important (laughs) and also wow i had a good like a really good memory yeah, back then. Dude, yeah. Because I was documenting all these things. Also, let's just read the first line of every one that we see. It was a dandy day today. Cheerio. Oh my god! <laughs> Why did I start a diary entry with cheerio? <laughs> Finals today were popping fresh. Dude, why? Why do you write like this? Also, um, uh, Hannah was like nine or something back then, so I don't think we really hung out that much. Dude, what school. the F is... Oh, we should, we should control F my name. Oh, okay. Yeah. You only mentioned me four times in the entirety of your journals. That's kind of well, rude. No, it's not. This is just the one document. <laughs> dude, this document is like okay. 100 pages. Apparently, I was wearing your clothes back then. Yeah, I was you nine were, years old, dude. Why are you wearing my clothes? You were eight. Why was I wearing your cropped denim jacket? Was it cropped? I said I was wearing Hana's cropped denim jacket. Is that because it was, it was full size on me? Or <laughs> yeah, Weird. what are you doing? Weird. Wait, this document is oh, here. Oh. Mommy dropped oh, me yeah. and off in front of the Native American Center. Okay. I was due to present during the second hour, so the first part, Hana and I infiltrated a room. In Newburger Hall. Okay, that's Dude, boring. This just is, you around. don't even care about me. Well, you were just you literally would around. only write about freaking, like... I had, like, 30 boys I had to name. I felt super young again when I jogged over to Monica to pick Hana up from cross-country practice today. We had a great walk home together, conversing loudly and skipping like flippant fairies. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Hey, I even carried my scissors backpack to complete the whole look. 
Wait, apparently, I was what already is worried about getting old back then. I was what is 16. happening? And why do you call us flippin' fairies? We also, being... since have you like have you used flippin' ever? Flippin'? Yeah, I would use that like if I was really wanting to name something flippin'. <sighs> God. Um, and then I said, "Love spending time with the sis. She never pressures me about college apps, and we find the simplest things hilarious. She cures with laughter all my ailments." I am so thankful for her and the rest of my family. Aww. That's actually really nice. Look at that. That is really cute. Also, I, I think the thing I take away from this diary the most, which we'll come back and read more segments um, for y'all in the future if you like it, but the thing I take about away from it the most, honestly, is like I was really, really positive about everything. Like yeah. I was really excited about the smallest things. And every day, nearly every day, for like certain years in Positive school, or delusional? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly every day, I was like, today was an awesome day. And, you know, sometimes I was a little, like a crazy person back then. But sometimes I do wish that, like, I had that kind of optimism now. Like, most of the time after a day, I'm like, oh, it was a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And back then, it's like, nothing really happened that was that good or that bad. But I thought everything was amazing. It was before reality Before hit. college, before law school, I know. So it's nice to see, like, a picture of that. I mean, there are definitely also journals or, like, diary entries where I talk about, like, eating disorders and my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And so that's hard to read. But I think overall, it was just, like, very, very carefree. Yeah. Well, you know, let us know if you uh, like that. (laughs) (laughs) Because honestly, like, we think it's, I think it's really funny. And Anna thinks it's really funny and weird. So if you liked it, let us know. If you had weird <laughs> diary entries, please hit us up. Yeah, let Hillary know. She's yeah. not alone. Thanks for listening to Generational Differences. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about something else. <laughs> to Fo- be announced. Follow us on uh, Instagram at Generational Differences. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. Bye, guys. See ya.